Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, where healthcare meets business, with your host, me, Dr. Karen Litzy. And just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not to be used as personalized medical advice. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy. Thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate your ears on the podcast. Now, before we get started in today's episode, I have a couple of announcements. Number one announcement. If you are listening to this podcast on October 17th, 18th, or 19th for that matter, um, I have a big announcement. I will be running a workshop That's right, not a webinar, but a workshop. So be prepared to do some work called the Strictly Business Roadmap, Create the Foundation of a Six-Figure PT Business, Working 25 Hours a Week. In this workshop, we will cover the human resources needed for a successful business, the organizational resources needed to keep your business running smoothly, the surprising amount of technology resources you will need, And finally, the financial resources and knowledge that are imperative to pay yourself and your business. So the details, it will be Wednesday the 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Zoom, of course. There will be a link in the show notes for this podcast. So if you head over to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com, you can sign up for that workshop. Just do it by Wednesday. All right. Now, the other announcement is we are placing the podcast interviews up on YouTube. So if you want to see the podcast interviews, watch us interact with each other, head over to YouTube, to my YouTube channel, just Karen Litzy, um, and you will be able to see us talking back and forth. And I'm sure one of these times you will also see a big orange cat hop up on to the screen on my screen. All right. So today's episode is all about headaches and migraines and the treatment of them. And to help guide us through that today is Dr. Meg Mill. She is a functional medicine practitioner, best-selling author, podcast host, and speaker. In her virtual functional medicine practice, she works with patients worldwide to heal the root cause of their health struggles through advanced diagnostic testing and personalized support. She has been seen on Fox News, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, in Reader's Digest, Health Magazines, and many, many more. She is particularly passionate about helping people end headaches and migraines, increase energy, and restore mental clarity without drugs or overwhelming protocols with her proven EAT method. That's E period, A period, T method. And for all the listeners of the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, she has a free gift, eight-step guide to say goodbye to headaches naturally. Again, go to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com and you can click on that and get her free guide. So a huge thanks to Dr. Meg Mill. And if you are suffering from headaches or migraines or know someone who is, please listen to this or refer them to this podcast episode. Thanks. Hi, Meg. Welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you on today to talk about headaches. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So headaches is something that affects millions of people every day. Sometimes it could be a little headache, or then you have people with more chronic headaches and migraines. So where did your interest start for treating people suffering from headaches? 
So I'm a functional medicine practitioner. And whenever I start working with people, they fill out a really detailed intake questionnaire and symptom questionnaire before we start working just then, then we really review their whole health history. Um, and what I started noticing as a pattern was that either people were coming to me suffering with these chronic headaches and migraines, or they were coming to me for other reasons. And when I'm going through their health history and they're re going through these forms, I'm like, oh, they're suffering from regular headaches. Oh, they're taking Advil once a week. Oh, that, you know, and, and normalizing and they didn't even, even really realize like, okay, I'm coming to you because I'm having this problem. It's just that that's been such a part of my life. I didn't even really think about it as a problem. And so I saw this happening, particularly with women, um, really in both directions. And then we would start working together and they would say, oh my gosh, my headaches are gone. I never believed this was possible. I, I didn't even think I couldn't, wouldn't have them. And I just kept seeing this over and over again. And I wanted to get the word out. You don't have to suffer with headaches and migraines. You actually, it's actually your body giving you a message. And when we put all the connections together, we see this dramatic decrease in both incidence and severity. And in your experience, what have you found as major contributing factors to people living uh, with chronic headaches? So we want to look at, you know, there's, there's two aspects of that. So we want to really put the, connect the dots. So that's what I always say. We're trying to connect the dots. Your head pain is giving you a signal. And so we're looking at connecting all those dots and you, and, and really like digging sort of down through the layers because it could be the top layer and we could fix it right away. We could just get you some supplements that give you the right nutrients and it might go away, but like you may be layers down to all the connections are, that are going on. So, you know, we want to make sure we have the right nutrients. We want to make sure sure that we're not eating foods that can be triggers. We want to make sure our hormones are balanced, that our stress hormone, you know, that our stress is managed and our stress hormones. We want to look at our environment and even sometimes like underlying gut issues or different things that are happening that are, that can be causing like this inflammation and immune response too, that can trigger headaches. Okay. So let's drill into a couple of those a little bit further. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned stress. Everybody has stress. Not everyone has headaches, thankfully, but how does stress contribute and what advice do you have for people uh, that maybe they can do right away to help yes. control their stress as it relates to their headaches? Because I hear it all the time. Oh, I have a headache, but just when I'm really stressed. Yeah. So what happens, well, I call it the chain of pain actually, because, you know, when we think of stress, we think of like, oh, our to-do list, our, you know, we're busy. We're in this fight or flight because we have so much going on and stress can actually be physiological, can be biological. There can be a lot of reasons that our bodies are responding to stress. And one of which is pain. So it's like this cycle when you have pain, you can, your cortisol can increase your stress hormone, which can actually increase another, um, hormone called prostaglandin or called, um, prolactin, excuse me. And then once prolactin is released, that can actually increase pain sensitivity. And so you can get stuck in this like pain causing stress, causing pain. And we see this, um, the cycle happen a lot with people. And so we just need to do things like you said, to get out of the chain of pain, to really get your body to relax. So one of the things I think you could start doing right now is really just practicing breathing because our breath can bring us back to the parasympathetic nervous system. We often breathe through our chest. We're, we're breathing like high up in our body, but if you can take a couple minutes every day, it doesn't have to be anything drastic, 
but just like set a timer, you know, a lot of our watches even will say, take a deep breath, you know, mm-hmm. sit and take a minute or two out of your day and really practice that deep breathing. Cause we know that d- d- those deep breaths can bring us back into that parasympathetic nervous system. So that's just like a simple place to start. Yeah. So I think a lot of people, when they think of stress reduction, they think of mindfulness techniques and meditation. And they think, well, in order for that to be helpful, I have to do it for 20 minutes. And then I don't have 20 minutes. And then they're stressed out because they don't have the 20 minutes in order to do that. And it keeps going and going. So I like the um, recommendation of, hey, let's just take a couple of breaths, keep it simple in the beginning. Exactly. I I agree with you because a lot of that feels like another stressor. So if, if I say to you, like, we well, have to meditate and you have to, you know, and then it's like, well, I can't meditate. My thoughts won't <laughs> slow down. I don't have 40 minutes. I don't have 20 minutes to do. So, so just if you can say like, hey, I'm going to do it like we do anything else, put little p- chunks in your day, you can start to build. And then if you practice that breath, when you are stressed, you can bring it in. It's very hard when you don't, aren't practiced at it to use it when you need it. And so that's, I think like building that muscle of being able to do it, get the practice in, and then being able to bring it back when you need it. Yeah. Just like anything else, if, if you can practice something and build up like muscle memory, I use that in quotations, um, so that you can tap into that when you need it, I think is so important rather than just maybe doing some breath work once a week or once a month, kind of when you think, not even when you think about it, but maybe if someone mentions it to you, then you're like, oh yeah, I thought I was supposed to do that versus making something a habit, right? Because habit Mm -hmm. building is something that human beings can do. We can do this. Yes. Yeah. And you just put it in, you just get it as a part of your habit. And then you'll, and then you'll really see the advantage when you're able, when it is a habit, you're able to utilize it when you're in that stressful situation. Cause you can really actually feel your body calming down. If you're stressed and you think like something happens and you can get to that breath and really use it, it's actually just, you can physically feel the relaxation. We know physiologically that it does, you know, that your breath really can bring you back into the parasympathetic nervous system. It's just a matter of being able to actually do it. Right. Okay. Great. Now, another thing that you mentioned in all these contributing factors to headaches is your surroundings. So can you explain that a little bit more? Because I think a lot of people, if I'm playing devil's advocate, would say, well, how can I change my surroundings? Like I live where I live. I do what I do. What are you talking about? So go ahead. Yeah. So we, there's a, there's a couple of things whenever we talk about our surroundings. So we want to say like actually heavy metals can be a trigger for, so if you have heavy metals in your body, sometimes even things like, like a lead could be in your bones from when you were younger. And sometimes as when we're women and we age, our bone density changes and actually can release toxins later in life that you may have absorbed when you were young. So it's just in some of those loads are maybe not even what you're around right now, but we know some of the heavy metals, then we, you know, mold can be another factor. So if you do live in a moldy house, we could look into that and see if you're surrounded. That's like also something, if you see like, oh, I moved and my headache started after I moved or, you know, at a certain location, some of those kind of things, but then just also, um, environmental. So when we look at our environment, sometimes people that have, um, migraines can have a a genetic variant in this enzyme called DAO enzyme. And that's an enzyme that helps us break down histamine. 
So we want to think of that when we're eating foods that have histamine, but if you also have, you're also exposed to environmental allergens, you know, you're, you're getting this allergic response, you know, this immune response. And so just actually also cleaning up your environment can make a big difference. We, I, one thing I would say is even if you're going to pick like something in your environment, you can't change where you live. Obviously you can, you know, clean up, but putting an air filter in your bedroom can be helpful. And you don't even have to go to the top of the line. You know, you can start out with something that you, you know, you find anywhere, um, and just put it in your bedroom because it's hard to get them in every room in the house, but we spend a lot of time sleep is so rejuvenating. And just, if that's like one thing you can do, I think that is a help often for people just to add that. Yeah. And air, I actually bought an air filter last year with the all concerns of like air quality and COVID and things like that. Um, and so I have one and it wasn't very expensive. It's not like you said, you don't have to go top of the line or anything you can get. They have some really good basic ones that, uh, can fit the square footage of a bedroom really well. And I'm glad you say, you know, even if you have it in just your bedroom, that's good. Cause a lot of people might think, well, what am I supposed to put one in every room in my house? It's going to get really expensive. How am I going to do that? But now you're saying, listen, at least have it in your bedroom where maybe you're sleeping and spending eight to maybe nine hours a day in that room. Yes. Yeah. Cause it is, it's hard to say like, okay, I'm going to put it everywhere, but you, you know, you're going to be there a chunk of time and, and it mm-hmm. will be good while you're sleeping. It was funny because when I was going to buy like the first air filter that we bought in our house, my husband was like, we have a filter on our furnace. We don't need this. And I was like, you know, I just want to have it. I, you know, I think it's important. And then the first time we changed that filter, he was like, Oh, <laughs> it was shocking because you think your air is being cleaned by your furnace. But when you really see those filters, in the, when you get the air filter, there is a lot that's coming out. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I live in New York city. So if I just open my window for half a day, you're getting God only knows what blowing into the apartment. So yes, air filter is very easy to do. Um, what about you had mentioned mold. So there are obviously ways to clean mold, but let's say <clears throat> you're going to look at a house or an apartment or something like that. Can you ask about mold in the structure? Is yeah, that I think something you can do you mold. Can... You can do mold testing. Mm-hmm. So that is something that you might want to look at because there can be black mold under things. And so if you are looking for a new, you know, a new home, that is something really to take. We, you know, we check radon, we check different things, but are we actually checking mold? And the, you know, the people aren't, I had a plumber come in one time that was like, I had a lit leak in my sink. And I was saying like, is there mold? Is it? And he's like, oh, it's fine. That's not a problem. And I'm thinking, Yes, it is a problem. I actually know <laughs> that it, that it is. Um, so I, my point there is that you could have people just brushing it off that are saying like, oh, that's not a big deal. Oh, we don't even need to look for that. But you know, that's always something that you can ask for. Yeah. And you had mentioned that foods can also have an antihistamine effect. Is that right? Mm-hmm. What can you give some examples of foods one can eat? Like what would be considered a low histamine diet? So you want to be, um, you want to avoid things like aged cheeses, fermented foods, sometimes shellfish, even like avocado is a high histamine food. So you want to avoid foods that, but I think if you try to, you know, stick the, the big classes would be like aged cheeses, fermented, and you know, fermented foods have a lot of 
prebiotics in them. So we're really hearing a lot about things like sauerkraut, kombucha, things right. that are feeding our microbiome in a positive way. And so you can hear that and you hear things about like avocados are healthy fats and all these things. So that's what kind of gets tricky with, with headache foods or migraine foods, because they're often foods that maybe you're hearing are healthy for you, but they're just not like they may be healthy in certain ways, but they can be potentially triggering your, your headaches or migraines and you're not even knowing it. So we want to look at foods that are, you know, high in histamine. Those are the one I mentioned. You also want to, so some of the other categories of foods that we know are, are foods that um, have tyramine. So think of like cured foods, aged foods there, foods that have nitrates. So you think of like hot dogs and foods like that. You also um, salicylates and that that can be like citrus foods. So mm. things like lemons, sometimes oranges, those are, are ones that you wouldn't necessarily suspect. So then we have like MSG, aspartame, MSG would be like in canned foods, box foods, aspartame diets, foods, and then even caffeine. So that's an interesting one because caffeine can be helpful sometimes for people with headaches, but you can get rebound headaches if you, you know, are, are withdrawing from the caffeine too. So it, so uh, that, so I'm going to give you like their bucket. So like that, those are foods we know actually have data. We know that those are, they can cause the headaches and migraines. Now it's not the same for each person and there can be a threshold. So you may eat that food at one point and like, let's say you have a glass of wine and it has tyramine in it. And you're like, I hear this, like people say, well, sometimes wine, I'll get a migraine after, but other times I can drink it. So it must not be the wine. Well, it might be the wine with some of that aged cheese that you had or something else that the combination of those two foods together was enough to like put you over that threshold to have the headache. So that that's where it kind of gets confusing, I think, because you you're it's harder to pinpoint your exact food sometimes when you're trying to think about it because you're not always getting the headache with that food. Right. And so that flows very well into my next question. And that's how do you know what yeah. <laughs> if any of this stuff yes. is causing your headache, whether it be the food you're eating, your environment, your hormones, how do you know? Cause that's a lot of buckets. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, so that's why when I work with people, I have like roadmaps. So, you know, one, you find a practitioner that you can, that you trust that can give you roadmap. But one of the things that, um, cause, cause yeah, you get the guide to know like this and this, and this means this, and, and that's very helpful. But one of the things you can start doing right now is printing out a, I, I have people start by printing out a blank calendar and write foods down. Like if you get a headache or if you get a migraine, wait, what you ate that day and the day before, and then just start to look for connections. So, you know, start to look for like, oh, okay, you know what? Every time I get a headache, it's three days before I get my period or every, you know, like my migraine or every, or it's mid month, maybe you're ovulating, you know, or I didn't sleep last night, but you know what? I don't sleep. If I don't sleep well, I get it. Or I'm dehydrated or the, I ate these foods. So once you start to like, just, you don't have to do it every day, but if you just do it when you're getting the headaches, it can start to show you patterns. Oh, that's a great idea. And then you can address them accordingly. Yes. Right, right, right. Got it. Um, now you had mentioned days before period ovulating. So obviously advice for women who suffer from hormonal migraines. What do you got? Yeah. <laughs> and that's a big one. One, one more thing <laughs> yeah. women have to worry about, I know. right? Yes. Yes. So the two most common reasons that we get migraines 
associated with hormones are estrogen dominance and rapidly changing hormones. And that's why with estrogen dominance, you often get it right before your period because estrogen and progesterone are both dropping, but sometimes then progesterone's lower than estrogen we, we're having the dominance. Now, we really do test, testing can be really helpful for this because if you have estrogen dominance, why? Like, do you have low progesterone or do you have high estrogen? Or I see a lot of people that have normal estrogen, but maybe some of the metabolites that estrogen is going into are higher and they're not there. You want to, you, you want to say, use it or lose it. When we talk about estrogen, you want that to really be in your body, but you want it to be able to be metabolized and excreted. And if it's not being done that way, then you're getting the, these higher levels of metabolites that actually have a little bit more proliferative effect sometimes and we're getting these symptoms. So, you know, really one, if you can get the testing, the right testing done then, and you have to be careful because if you just see the estradiol, like if you just get a blood draw, that's not really the whole picture because you're not seeing all, like I said, all these metabolites in the way, you know, that might be okay, but the way they're processed. But you, so if you're looking for something you can start right now, you can look out. There's a lot of products in our life that have what we call xenoestrogens. And so those are estrogens that are outside of our body and things like BPA. So think of all the plastic containers in your kitchen have BPA in them. And what we do is we eat out of those, but we also often will put those in the dishwasher. Sometimes we'll microwave them. And when that happens, they're also like decomposing, you know, they're breaking down their structure and they can leach into the food. So then you're eating that food that's sitting in that plastic that, so we're getting some of these estrogen components outside of the body. So, you know, just really taking a look at that. We look at that in, you know, your skin is a giant mouth and skin products, hair products, all the things that we're using. So that's just a good place to start. And yeah, I, I actually have, I can say I switched to glass for all of my food storage needs, or I'll just put it in like a regular bowl and just yes. cover it with, um, which is probably not good, but I cover it with, um, what's aluminum foil. Okay. I don't think that's good. Well, that's not, but you're not touching. Good. Yeah. You don't want to high levels of aluminum either, but yeah. if you, you know, might not be touching the food. No, too. no, 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 yeah. no, yeah. no. Usually mm -hmm. it's like in the bowl. Like, yeah. but yes, for the most part, I, I decided last year, I'm like, I feel like I should switch to glass, you know, mm -hmm. storage instead of using like the Tupperware or Tupperware like storage. Yes. Um, so I guess that's good. Um, and when you're looking at things like what you're putting in your hair on your face, are there things that are, you're like, do not buy this product if it has this ingredient in it, or is that a little too broad? So uh, what I would suggest that you do is actually go to ewg.org skin deep website. So they rate all products. And so you can actually type, just type, it's really easy. Just type in what you have and you'll see a rating. So you'll say like, okay, if it's a one or a two, you're, you're feeling comfortable. If your product's an eight or a nine, then, you know, replace that product. It would be a good idea to really try to, you know, try something else. And I tell people to like, for cost purposes, if you just replace one product at a time, it really doesn't, you know, it add up so much. So yes, if we're going to say, I need to go get all new makeup, that's going to be expensive. But if you're like, oh, my foundation ran out, let me think of what, you know, let me really think about that. Be mindful of what foundation I buy, or, you know, the next time your shampoo runs out, you do the same thing. You're spreading that cost out and then you're just replacing one thing at a time. And it's just lowering your overall toxic burden. It's lowering those, you know, estrogens that are coming in. 
Another thing, I guess, with that is also like looking at beef and dairy because we're, you know, the animals are often given hormones. And then when we eat them, we're also getting that. So really paying attention to those, those foods too, to make sure you're not getting any extra hormones. Got it. And can you say that website one more time? Where yes, can- sure. Uh-huh. It's ewg.org. And, and then in that, that's environmental working group. And within that, there is a section that is specifically for products and it's called skin deep. And they have a whole bunch of products. They have sunscreens and makeups and, you know, the shampoos and all sorts of different things. So it's, it's just a nice resource. Cause I think it's just nice to be able to you know, you look at the back of the shampoo bottle and you're like, what does all of this mean? (laughs) So it's sometimes hard to figure out on your own, but it's just nice to be able to put that product in and, you know, put it in and then find a rating. So it gives you like a little bit of a clear guide. Yeah, no, this is great. I mean, all your tips are amazing. So hopefully people, if you are uh, someone that suffers uh, from headaches or know someone who suffers from headaches, then definitely get them over to this podcast so they can listen to all these great tips on how to not suffer as much because I know headaches can be just absolutely debilitating. Um, I have several friends who've had, you know, a history of a long history of migraines. Um, and I, I'm lucky to be a person that doesn't really get that many headaches. Um, but now, when I do, I'm going to kind of be thinking about you. You're going to be in the back of my head. I'm going to be thinking about all these tips and seeing what I can do to help mitigate the headache when and if I get them. So thank you so much. Now, how, you know, you had mentioned that uh, you're a functional medicine practitioner. So how does a functional medicine practitioner differ from uh, a a medical doctor when it comes to the treatment of headaches? Like what do you guys do differently? Yeah. So I like to actually use an analogy for this because, you know, it's, it kind of points out the way we're treating headaches in the conventional space. So if you took your, if you took your car to a mechanic and you said it's making noise and the mechanic walked away and they walked away with your keys and they came back and handed you a pair of earmuffs and your keys back and said, it's fixed. (laughs) Would you feel comfortable driving your car? And we wouldn't, we'd say like, no way it's so broken. And, And that's kind of what's happening a lot of times in the way that headaches and migraines are being treated conventionally. We're giving me- we're given medicine to cover the pain. So you're treating your pain, but your headaches are still coming back. And we see that happen all the time. You know, people are saying, okay, well, I take this for my pain, but, th- but that they're never going away. They're just being covered up. So what we do in functional medicine is we flip it around. I say like we do it actually the opposite and we're really putting all the connections together outside sometimes even of your head and putting everything else that's going on in your body together and and really kind of diving into why you're getting the headache. So it's not as much about the pain treatment, which we do still want, you know, we still want to treat the pain obviously, because we don't want you to experience that, but we want that my goal is for you to get the incidence and severity down. Cause I want you to not have them so that you're not having to take the medication. Right. That makes sense. And I think I like how you said you want the incidence and severity to go down because sometimes it may not be complete elimination for the rest of your life. Like people may have flare ups. I work with a lot of people with chronic pain um, and oftentimes, you know, they may have chronic low back pain. We've gotten them to the point where that back pain is no longer burden burdensome. But, you know, every once in a while they may have a little flare up. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do you explain that when you're speaking with your patients that like, hey, 
sometimes you may have a flare up. It doesn't mean that, you know, all is lost. You need to give up. What kind of, what does that conversation look like for you? Yeah. So generally the people that finally get to me have, have had chronic, you know, or severe headaches. So they're just thrilled to not wake up. Like I, you know, I get one of my favorite quotes is one of the people I work with when my patients said, I just love the fact that I don't wake up wondering if it's going to be a headache day. Like she, you know, she, every day was living her life. Like, is it going to, you know, wait, I get, you have that fear waking up. Like, is today going to be a headache day? If I plan something, am I going to be knocked out with a migraine? And so, yes, I can't promise you that you'll never have another headache because I can get a headache, you know, because of, you know, maybe I'm dehydrated and I've slept weird on my neck and, you know, all these things, but I can't promise that. But that's when we see this dramatic decrease in both incidence and severity, that they're not really affecting your life, that you're not taking medication. They no longer have to, you know, sometimes people are on prescription medication, Botox injections, all these, you know, uh, there's, there's a wide variety of things that cocktails that people are taking and they're still coming. And so it's, it's really saying, you don't have, and and I think like deeper than that, that all of these medications have side effects. Like we're getting, they're not without consequence. They can, you know, have good purposes, but there's always the consequence. So you're still getting the the headaches. You you have the consequences. So we want to pull, get you in a place where, okay, you're not relying on that. And you're, you're not suffering from any side effects of having to take regular medications. Yeah, I think that's great. And and the the biggest part there is like they feel like they're not suffering anymore. So you know when people come in and you ask, "Oh, wh- what are your headaches or your pain on a scale of 0 to 10?" and people are saying it's a 20. It's because it's so they're suffering and it's affecting their life in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And so if you can bring that down for them, I mean that's a real blessing I would think and they must be like super excited about it. No, it's life-changing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. It's life-changing. So now what, what would you like the listeners to kind of step away with from this conversation? If you can distill it down into your main points, what would it be? Yeah. I just like them to know that one, you, you know, that if you are someone who has I think people feel that they've had these headaches for, you know, a lot of times people have had them since childhood even. And so you feel like, well, I've always had this. This is something that I'm not going to change. I'm managing it. It's, you know, but it's, it's just who I am. I see those people be able to make that change and not have them, you know? So I think, or if it, you know, there's something that you're dealing with all the time. So I just think knowing that there is hope that you don't have to live this way, that if you just maybe take a new perspective, I think we can get stuck in that same pattern of like, oh, this is just what I do. Oh, this is how I I treat it. But I, I think if you can be open to a different perspective, then you, there is hope to really make a change in your life. And then I also would say, you know, just really maybe dialing in and listening to your body and listening, you know, if you can be more in touch with like what food you're eating, if you're dehydrated, if you're not sleeping, if you're, you know, all those things that we talked about and like really just kind of pull the mirror up and see like, where are you on some of those spectrums? Excellent advice. Now, where can people find you if they have questions, they want to consult, they're having headaches, they they need you. Where can they find you? <laughs> yes. So my website is megmill.com. So that's just my name, M-E-G-M-I-L-L. And then I have a podcast called A Little Bit Healthier. So I'm talking about headaches and migraines, but all different ways you can add, be a little bit healthier in your life. And then I'm over on Instagram um, and Facebook at Dr. Meg Mill. It's just D-R Meg Mill. 
Perfect. Perfect. And now last question, it's one I ask everyone, and that's knowing where you are now in your life and your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) Um, I just think that, you know, so I started out on the conventional side of medicine. So I guess I felt like, okay, this is the, this is the way to go. Although I always was into more prevention than treat, you know, treatment. And, and so I, I think my path is different. It's veered a lot. So I think maybe in some of those times that I was really frustrated with the system and the way things were going, even though I knew all the protocols, I knew why it was happening that, that, that I was, that I would be able to find another way. (laughs) So I would have to say, that's probably the advice that just be open. You never know what road it's going to take. And I did think of one more thing. I have a free, I forgot to tell, tell, say this when you asked me, Yes, I do have a free guide that you can go to just called helpmyheadaches.com. So if you're looking for some steps to get started, you can look at that guide too. I should have mentioned that earlier. No, that's perfect. And we'll have links to everything. We'll have links to your website, your social media and help my head Mm-hmm. So people can go on and get this free resource to help their headaches, um, which would be wonderful because man, I, I, I always, I feel I have so much empathy for people who suffer from headaches. Cause I think I had like maybe two or three in my life. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is how do people live this way? So I have a lot of empathy and I have a lot of gratitude for people like you who have chosen to really work with this population because it's vast and they need the help. So well done on you. Um, yeah. And again, what's the, the name of your podcast again? It's called a little bit healthier. So it's just about taking tips that you can do every day in your life to be a little bit healthier. (laughs) Love it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Meg, for coming on and sharing all of this great info. So many good tips. I was like looking down and taking notes and I'm definitely going to that website and I'm going to put in all of my skincare and, and, uh, hair products to see what I have going on. And, and, um, then I'll take some deep breaths so that I won't get stressed out about it. Um, But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was great. Thank you for having me. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to leave us your questions and comments at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.